Welcome to Thinking Reimagined. Thinking Reimagined is a unique platform for thoughts provoking intergenerational dialogue in a diverse and inclusive setting with a focus on impactful change in the global workplace and community. Our stakeholders' conversations aim to spark thought, leadership, curiosity, engagement, collaboration, and learning amongst individuals, teams, and beyond. Enjoy, Enjoy this episode. episode and subscribe to Thinking Reimagined on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and other outlets. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the Thinking Reimagined podcast. I am Nifabi Oguntoya. Let's talk about introversion, the quality of being shy and reticent, right? Uh, we're looking at what seems to be the biases towards it and how it poses a challenge in the workplace. How do we also deal with children who are introverts? We're joined on this podcast uh, by Carol Stewart, who is a career and leadership coach and a coach for introverted women who are senior leaders. Ms. Stewart, it's a great pleasure to have you on this podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. This is a topic that is something that I'm very passionate about. So I'm looking forward to our discussion. We're also looking forward to draining of all the knowledge you've acquired over the years. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you so much for coming. Dr. Ama is the Chief Executive Producer of the Thinking Remargins. She's also joining us on this conversation. But let's begin. Um, there's a lot that I've been said about people who are introvert, they're considered weak, they aren't as good as extroverts, you know, who just seem to breeze through life. There's nothing wrong with being introvert, right? There's nothing wrong at all. And there's a lot of misconceptions around what introversion is. And one of them is that introverts are shy. Mm. Oh, yes. <laughs> so you're saying introverts are not shy? Some introverts can be shy, just like some extroverts can be shy. So introverts and introversion and, and shyness don't go hand in hand. They're two different concepts. So how do you know that you're an introvert? It's, it's all about how we interact and engage with the world. So people who are introverted have a preference for things which are internal to the mind. Um, and there's a lot of external activity being around a lot of people for lengthy periods of time can be overly stimulating to our minds our brains and as a result of that it can drain us of our energy and so we then feel drained and we want to maybe retreat we may not necessarily engage as much because of how we're feeling and we want to maybe go somewhere quiet so that we can recharge and introversion and extroversion exist along a continuum and we all have a preference as to where we fit along that continuum. So some people may sort of veer towards introversion, some towards extroversion, some towards the centre who are known as ambiverts, and they're sort of a bit of a balance of both. And depending on the situation and then the environment they're in will depend on how we are along there. So someone who is introverted may be in a certain environment, but they may appear extroverted because of how they're acting and how they're interacting with people. Um, but then they may be in certain environments where there's a lot of external activities going on, which is overly stimulating. So then they may retreat inwards. I see you, Dr. Amma. I read somewhere that Miss Stewart is an introvert. Do you consider yourself an introvert too? Well, I think that I will be considered an ambivert and both. Um, and I do have times when I will go more into being an introvert and hopefully stimulated um, by the environment around me. And then there are other times when I get my energy from the um, environment. But I'm so glad that she mentioned that it is on a spectrum. And um, we can thank uh, the psychiatrist Carl Jung for, for the work he did in the 1900s with enabled us to be able to understand um, introversion and extroversion, but although today we're focused on introversion. Um, and I do think that introverts are highly misunderstood 
uh, and part of it is because of the environment. But let me say this, I mean, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert is hereditary, but also your environment can affect um, the way that you handle it. And in many cases, if you have, if you live in a culture where you are, you're culturally defined to be more of one or the other, for example, on the, in the African continent, um, I'm going to use the African continent today, I don't know why, um, where you, you're not to be heard from or girls are supposed to behave in a certain way. So the good girl syndrome comes in. Being an introvert, you might be forced into being more of an introvert as opposed to being externally verbal because in some societies, girls who speak more openly or more extroverted are sometimes sort of squelched or then we need to tone it down um, and there's no need for that. So really at the educational level, it's important that we address the biases that are placed on introverts, particularly when those biases are cultural. Yes, and I agree with that totally. <laughs> Ms. Abby has joined us live from London. I'd like to hear from Ms. Abby. It's been a while. Uh, you know, there are times where biases are also oriented in favor of introverts. An example would be that uh, people would just assume that introverts are hard workers and then task them with some important jobs. You know, um, some people just assume that because you're quiet, you're always engaged in deep thinking and you're wiser than the rest. You know, on one hand, there are negative biases towards people who are introverted. Do you consider it an advantage that if you don't speak in public, people just assume that you're better than the rest? Um, oh, there are many misconceptions about, like I said, about introversion. And um, I, see as, I see it as a strength. I, I see it as my strength. I'm, even though many societies and cultures don't, they, they see that people being quiet introverted as a weakness um but I see it as a strength because there are many good qualities within introversion introverts are well known for being good listeners um for being able to analyze being calm in a storm which are all great strengths to have but it's just that some societies and cultures don't value that and and I think I probably strayed away from your question so remind me what your question was please <laughs> I was asking if you consider the strength mm -hmm. for people to think that introverts are better people, so to speak. No, I mean, I wouldn't say introverts are better. I have a saying that goes comparing introverts to extroverts is like comparing apples to pears. They're very similar. They're both fruits and they're both very tasty. So I don't think that we should sort of compare one to the other because we all have something to contribute. We have also have something of value to bring to the table and you need a balance in both. It's not, it's not good just to have, a, you know, say like a, a team full of introverts. It's not good to just have a team full of extroverts. You need that balance because then you get the different thinking styles, the different ways of thinking and processing and analyzing at the table, which leads for creativity and innovation. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And that in the workplace, when you look at diversity in thought, it's always good to have balance. And, um, you know, in the field of, um, when we talk about psychological safety, that's also very critical when you're looking at introversion, extroversion, or somebody else coming in. I'm hoping Dune is here to manage this. Um, but, you know, we also have to think about the different types of introverts because that can also affect how somebody um, reacts in the work or in the school, in the school, on the school grounds. But, you know, going back to a statement I made earlier, I think that it's important from a very early age to recognize the, the two types or the three types, to be honest with you, and to support children in school because we're so quick to put labels on children. And those labels follow them into uni and everywhere else that they go. But if they have a good understanding that, okay, I am an introvert and these are the qualities that I bring to the playground, to the classroom, 
they then begin to learn how to collaborate with others at a very young age. And that removes the bias that teachers, community, family even have against um, introverts. And I don't know why there's so much bias against introverts because some of the most successful people in the world are introverts. You know, yeah. whether some people say that it, that originates from Freud and how he labeled them, whereas Carl, Carl Jung, he he didn't think that people should be changed. You know, if you were introverted or extroverted, he didn't think that or believe that you should try and change somebody. But Freud, he, Freud, he had a slightly different opinion. And, and I see that time and time again in with children who are introverted, particularly here, say, like in the UK, in the US, where they're, because they are introverted, they're made to feel that they're not good enough because they're quiet. And a lot of the clients that I work with have challenges around self-belief, self-doubt, imposter syndrome, which stems from their early childhood experiences where they were made to feel that they weren't good enough because they were introverted. Um, and recently, so a couple of years ago, speaking to a woman who her 13-year-old daughter had been marked down a grade at school. And the only reason she'd been marked down because she was bright, she was intelligent, she was achieving really great marks, was because she didn't put her hand up enough in class. So it's not like she didn't know her stuff. It's just that she wasn't put, putting her hand up enough in class. And this girl was, was really upset about that. So imagine what message that sends out to that girl, that because she's not as vocal as her extroverted um, peers, She's not as good as them. So that will, that will stick. If she constantly gets those messages reinforced, that will stick with her into adulthood. Absolutely. I agree. So I do think that we need to work on communication skills for introverts because really it's not that they don't, it's not that they don't know how to communicate, it's that they have a preferred way of communicating. Mm -hmm. And if you understand that, then you can support them in communicating in the style that works for them. Um, and I also think educationally, we need to start putting this label on children at a very young age and just be open, you know, where there's a deeper sense of belonging, regardless of what part of the spectrum you're on. But I do think that we need to make a distinction of introversion versus social anxiety, because those are two separate things, you know, um, and sometimes they get commingled, um, but they're separate in themselves. But it looks like Abby is back. Hello, Abby. As an educationist, Hello. what do you <laughs> The confused introvert. <laughs> okay. Nice to meet everyone here again. Thank you for having me. Nice to meet you. So I, I um, work with children. I also work with parents a lot now. And um, on one end, there's the introverted child. And then there's the precocious child, precocious child. In today's society, we tend to... Um, credit the precocious child more due to things like um, the you know, social media, Instagram, and all those things. Of course, a very introverted child won't want to be on social media, won't feel the need to be on social media necessarily. And precocious children generally, even in our society in Nigeria, we tend to give them a lot of um, responsibilities, talking as the class rep, you know, they're the ones who are in the drama group, they're in the dance group, they get a lot of credit, as we know, whereas introverted children don't. And I think I want to look at this from a different strategy. Um, there's a lady called Patricia Crittenden, who works with the DMM, Dynamic Maturational Model. And she talks about strategies, coping strategies, and how people cope with certain situations, uh, certain dangers, so to speak, so, you know, like psychological safety. So danger of being abandoned or danger of being um, ignored or danger of being hit, for example. So with the introverted person, obviously it comes again from childhood where they, they've learned the strategy of being introverted sometimes in order to cope. So if I use myself as an example, I was more of an observer. I'd observe everything that was going on in class. I'd observe everything that was going on in uni. I didn't like group work. I didn't like social. I didn't like anything that involved me having to be in a group and making group decisions because either they were thinking too fast. Sorry, excuse me. Or they were thinking too slowly. And I found myself getting confused in the group. 
And um, it's only as I grew older that I realized the benefits of group work. Sorry. And how important it is to learning as a whole. Um, so I think it is a strategy even that children realize that they're using um, introverted children in the sense that if you're quiet, um, you get praise for being quiet at home in some you know, societies. If you get on with what you're being told, you get praised for getting on with what you're being told and not asking any questions. So again, that is a survival strategy that a lot of people have grown up with as a strategy of not, as a strategy so that they wouldn't be criticized, uh, they wouldn't be bullied, they wouldn't be asked for anything, so to speak. But at the uh, same time, even though I see it as a strategy and I understand why it's a strategy, as Dr. Amma has just said, it's important to understand that there are different types of introverts. So those that use them as uh, introversion as a strategy and those that are generally like that, are generally are introverts because of their temperament, full stop. It wasn't just because of uh, um, something that's happened in their environment. They were born as introverts. Um, and that's important to realize the two different types, the introverts that have been created by the environment and introverts that were born as introverts. I think it's also very important that we draw the line between someone who is quiet and someone who is too quiet, because um, you're talking about education, for instance, uh, look at the way the education system itself is wired. The society, I mean, schools, for instance, you're told to raise your hands to participate in class. And there are many things that require an extent of communication, you know, and a form of engagement in learning. How, how do we know when something is wrong with a child uh, as against a child just being an introvert? Um, Nifemi, you've just come back to a point that Carol made earlier which is recognized about the, about the girl who was marked down because she was not communicating. If, if teachers understand what it means to have an introverted child in the classroom and the best strategies to support that child, because introverts are actually very independent thinkers. They're independent in the way they want to think about things and the way they want to interact with others. Um, but recognizing that will change how you then relate to the child. I mean, must you always, put, yeah, so we say put your hand up and this introverted child does not put the hand up, but they want to say something. How about recognizing that and going to the child and saying, oh, Sally, what would you like to say? Or what do you have to say? And Sally could say, well, I was thinking about this or I'll come back to you later. Now you've engaged Sally in that conversation but if everybody has to put their hand up before they're called upon, you're not going to get the introverts communicating, yet um, they have much to contribute to the discussion. It's just the way in which you engage with them. So I do think that we need to change some of the methods. And you know, there are different philosophies of learning and different types of schools. In the traditional schools, yeah, you've got to put your hand up. But if you go more to the Dewey philosophy of learning, where you're engaging with everyone, you call upon people. Um, and you learn that some people do better in group work. Introverts generally like to do independent work, but you can show them the benefit, demonstrate the benefit of doing group work. Um, introverts don't network as easily with others or they tend to have one or two friends or colleagues that they work better with. So you come up with a way of engaging them and increasing that and letting them see that, you know, by working in the group, you begin to show your dynamism and you then have a better chance of getting promotion, of being advanced in the workplace or taking on um, other um, projects that might come up. But it's being able to identify that and recognize that it's not just extroverts that should get promotions, but introverts should be harnessed, that, that the skill sets and the qualities of introverts should be harnessed from the very beginning and at a very early age. Yes, and I, and I entirely agree with that. And if you look in, um, and just because we see that what happens in the classroom, we see happening in the workplace in terms of the way that many workplace um, systems are designed 
don't allow for introverts to be their best selves. So if you look at meetings as a classic example, the way that most meetings in the workplace are conducted, it's people being put on the spot and asked to give a response there and then, which doesn't allow people who are introverted to think and process their thoughts before speaking. Whereas people who are extroverted, they tend to speak and process their thoughts whilst they're speaking. So that may come across to people who don't understand that that person is more confident because they're speaking more. Whereas a good chair or facilitator of the meeting will recognise that there is different different thinking styles around the table and they will facilitate the accommodation of the different styles. Yes. And I also think, um, you know, in the if we're going back, talking about accommodating the different styles, it's also in the classroom, because obviously there's so much that can happen within the classroom. There are different ways that children communicate. Uh, some children don't communicate, as we know, by putting up their hand. Some children communicate in their writing. You'd be surprised that a child that hasn't said anything has written an episode for you and has really, really taught you so much in what they have written. And there are other ways of communicating through you know, various mediums. And if this, um, if this is known by the wider society, especially going into the workforce, that there are different ways of communicating, using working through people's strengths, so to speak. So one person in, in the board meeting is very good at uh, you know, projecting their voice and saying what they want and thinking quickly. The other person's able to rationalize and think through things first for the person that thinks quickly. And therefore, there's a collaboration that happens that way. Um, I also want, I wanted to address one thing that um, children and people and adults called introverts don't like being called introverts. Um, <laughs> they don't like being called introverts. It's almost... Um, seen as a negative comment. Meanwhile, some people would say, oh, I'm an introvert, thinking that, um, that that's a compliment, <laughs> you know. But generally, I find that when children are called introverted or even adults, they tend to, you know, be surprised or not like, not warm towards that. And that's where we come back to what Nifemi said, is it, are they just quiet or are they introverted? You can find a very introverted person in one, somebody that's introverted in one situation is not introverted in another situation. And, 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 and sort of taken, taken up what you said there, the reason, you know, when I was first, um, when I first did the Myers Speaks test many years ago and, I and it came out as introverted, I didn't want to own that because of the negative connotations that are associated with introversion. But it's as I've um, learned more about it, and we studied and researched and got to understand myself better. I, I tell people I'm introvert and proud. Um, yeah. And, you know, one of my missions is to, sh is to shift the narrative around introversion so that, that it is viewed more favorably. Exactly. Mm. I'm exactly. just um, thinking, I'm thinking which is easier to do, getting an introverted person to adjust to the current realities of our world or getting the system to change because to even get a job, there's a measure of expression that is required of you, right? To, to be able to move on to the next level at, at your workplace, there's a level of expression, there's a level of engagement that is required. What would be your recommendation in this regard? So Nifemi, actually just shown that there's a bias and that's what we're talking about. You don't need to change an introverted person. There, there's nothing wrong with them. It is just their natural preference. And there's something they bring to the table with yes. their introversion, their, their qualities they bring to the table despite yes. being introverted. Yes, yes. I think it's about the system coming to recognize that whilst as a global society and global workplace, we tend to favor People tend to favor extroverts. There has to be a shift in balance where you rest, um, recognize it is on a spectrum. This is the Thinking Reimagined podcast sponsored by Allied Empowerment. Allied Empowerment Consultancy offers leadership and innovation through bespoke human development solutions, brain-based leadership and coaching. Allied Empowerment empowers business leaders teams and individuals to intentionally accentuate desired outcomes built on trust, curiosity, psychological safety, engagement, 
and communication. Allied Empowerment, thriving in a sustainable and valued manner. Yes, I also wanted to uh, rebut, um, say something um, in response to what Nifemi said, which was that um, in employment, you know, it's funny Nifemi, um, having been on different recruitment teams, you know, we find people, you know, interview so well, they come with the right energy, you know, to the interview, they smile, you know, there's, you, you've got seven questions ready for them. By the second question, you're looking at each other on the team saying, we're taking this person flat out. We're taking this person. He's so good. She's so good. You end up employing the person and they've got no deliverables whatsoever. They can play the part, mm. they can act the part, they can talk the talk and they're extroverts. Meanwhile, mm. they also have the strengths they bring to the company, but maybe not what they sold to you at the interview so yeah yeah and if i could say to that there are certain countries cultures where introversion is valued as a as a strength so countries like china japan certain nordic countries and 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 one of the things that um research suggests is that because country uh, cultures where they are individualistic that there's more there's a greater need for that individual attainment and there's a greater focus on the self, which is maybe mm. why extroversion is preferred because it's like, well, who could he or she who shouts the loudest? Whereas cultures that are more collective, there's a, a greater focus on the collective attainment. So there's not that need for the individuals to be standing out in that way. Yes, I also came across... Um... A long time ago, there was also something like a chart that showed extreme introversion um, leading to certain, you know, depressions and extreme extroversions leading to narcissism, actually, because basically they were so confident in even the wrong things, an extreme extroverted person, I'm talking, um, in some circumstances, being so confident even in the wrong things that they end up, you know, um, taking the wrong steps, basically. And that's something that we have to be conscious of as well. And that's probably why, you know, those countries appreciate the introversion, maybe not the extreme, at the extreme end. Indeed. So, Ms. Stewart, you've worked with introverted women who are senior executives. So what have you found out to be perhaps their biggest challenge in moving up the ladder in their industries? So in, in environments where they that introversion is not valued um things around the self-limiting beliefs or the imposter syndrome um being able to get their voice heard in the way that they want to have been the biggest challenges there's one particular client that comes to mind who is a, a woman in a very male, male dominated environment um and finds it difficult to get her voice heard, experiences imposter syndrome. But in her previous employment, she didn't experience that. And so when I asked her, well, what was different? She said that in her other organisation, they made her feel like they, she belonged, that they were more inclusive, they were more diverse. Whereas in this particular organisation, male dominated, she was often the only woman at the table. Um, and um, as well, she was a... Um, English wasn't her first language as well. So that added to the, the pressures that she felt being in that environment. All right. In the culture, the location, the environment, all of that does play on how the introverts and the extroverts um, cope in the workplace. But what is interesting is, um, is the gender the gender also comes into play as well because you have introverted men who learn who learn how to use it to their strength in the workplace by being mentored by other men who can see their gifts and they pull them along so in the workplace um, there's already a bias for women in terms of advancements and men tend to get promotions much quicker than women. So it is also important for us to be aware of the gender inequality disparity, whichever term you wish to use today, um, in the workplace for introversial women, which is why it's important 
to give the women the skill sets that they need so that, for lack of a better word, they also self-promote themselves in the workplace. Because at the end of the day, the person who can self-promote, who can network, who can be mentored is more likely to rise above and be promoted than one that does not promote themselves and introverts because they naturally tend to work independently um, and take on these bigger projects don't always get the, the recognition that they need for the work that they've done because the extrovert will take that lead and be the one that's showcased and gets the promotion. So you have to look at it from all of the other angles. And research actually um, confirms that because research suggests that extroverts receive more opportunities in the workplace because their performance is more visible. Mm. Uh, and they can make a lot of noise about it. I'd like us to get a male perspective to this conversation. Um, filmmaker and actor Peter Aban Boyer has joined us. It's hard to tell, Mr. Boyer, whether you are an introvert or an extrovert. <laughs> Well, hello everyone. Um, my voice, I'm recovering, but I think I'm an introvert, or will I say, purposeful introvert? Because um, as an actor, entertainer, when I'm on, I can, you know, be out there, do everything I want. But the minute the lights and cameras goes off, I tend to get back to myself because I enjoy being alone. I enjoy my company. I'm confident in my skin, so. I'm an introvert, not because I'm shy or weird or nerdy, as I used to be called when I was a kid, um, or teacher's pet, but because I enjoy doing things on my own, like Miss Abby was saying. Um, I enjoy, um, I don't really like the group thing or being in a crowd, but when I have to, I can go out there and do that. But personally, and what gives me great satisfaction is enjoying my company, working. That's why I love editing, because when you're editing, you're in your own space, you're in, in your own brain, you're by yourself, you're doing things. So I would say I'm partially or purposefully an introvert. I don't know if there's any such thing, but that's what I think. <laughs> an yeah. introvert actor. <laughs> Most actors are shy, <laughs> if, you, if you need to know. Most act actors and entertainers are shy but are they shy or are they introverts because there's a difference yes there's a big difference mine personally i think i'm an introvert to a certain extent i'm also shy but i'm not shy when i'm on remember i keep saying the um term on because when you're on you have to come out whether you like it or not i think um mr what was saying like in a meeting sometimes I don't want to say anything because I'm overthinking. Am I going to sound stupid? Um, am I going to say something that doesn't make sense? Or um, I don't want to talk because I don't want to be asked questions. I remember in school, um, I used to be quiet and the teacher always used to pick on me because first I had an accent and then secondly, I always knew the answer. So I think I said this once before in another podcast. I used to try to play down my intelligence because I didn't want to be noticed. I didn't want to be out there. Contrary to my behavior, people think I'm out there. But in reality, I'm someone that's more of an introvert. I don't know if it makes sense. I think I'm contradictory. but that's just <laughs> it, it makes perfect sense. And because somebody's in the public eye doesn't mean to say that they're extroverted. It's like when I tell people that Oprah is introverted it's like they can't believe it but she is she's an introvert but it's just that she has a role which is a public um facing role and she she does very well at that role but when she's when she's performed and and finished her role she likes to go inwards and she likes that um that space all right so let's take this comment from one of our viewers on linkedin Olabisi Alabasi says exactly, some introverts have got some intriguing ideas and creativity going on in their heads. All they need is someone who will understand them well enough to bring those ideas out. How do we, where do we please someone, Ms. Abby, for instance, someone who is an introvert in the public? 
but who is extremely talk active with the people they are comfortable with, do you still call them introverts? I think in response to that, I, I, I think um, Mr. Boyer has explained that flexibility, you know, because even extroverts would have moments where they have to be introverted, for example, where they have to be introspective. How do we address that? Um, as a person who doesn't really engage with adults much, I engage so much with children. Maybe it's better to use the, the example of the child. So with children and young adults, should I say teenagers, who don't want to um, be questioned, they tend to be quiet and they tend to be seen as introverted. So almost the same thing as what Mr. Boyer was saying about not wanting to be bothered with what people are thinking about. So if I give an example of an average 14 year old, it's such a fast moving world, such a fast pace. Excuse the, um, the background. Okay. And um, so it's so fast moving, the terms, the slang they use, the clothes, and some children just don't want to move that quickly. Some children just want to remain where they are doing what they're doing. And they're seen as being introverted. They're not the cool kids. So when I work with my children, I say things such as, it's cool to be clever. It's cool to read. It's okay, don't feel bad about liking reading rather than liking wanting to be on social media. So it's a very difficult question that you've asked, but I think there is some level of um, flexibility in the degree at which uh, you, know, you choose to be introverted or you choose to speak more or you choose to engage more with the people around you. I don't think it's a, it's a general term or maybe I'm wrong. So if a child is introverted at school, it doesn't necessarily mean that the child is introverted at home because the, the child is feeling safe. There's a degree of safety at home and there aren't so many expectations, I would expect. But, but is there a sense to which introversion can be cover up for um, insecurities, fears, inadequacies and things like that? Well, that's what people think. I think that's what people think, but that isn't. No, 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 no. The truth. I know what I people actually think. think the opposite. It's extroverts that go all that way to cover up um, their inadequacies. Um, I, you know, and a prime example is Mr. Boyer there, who says, "Look, he's confident in his own skin. He's confident with his own company. So there isn't an inadequacy there, so to speak, is there? I'm, I'm not sure if I'm getting my point across clearly." No, no, you 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 do, Mr. Boy. Your mic is off. I think you're trying to say something. Yeah, I want to add to what um you were asking. I, as a child, yes, um in a way because um like I said, I had an accent, so uh, when I would speak, they would say "oyibo, oyibo" like that. So because of that, I didn't want to answer questions in school, and then my teacher always called me to read because I was one of the best readers, and I could read. Um, better than most of my classmates. So all that used to make me go into a shell because I was called teacher's pet. I was um, always called up. And um, it makes the child feel awkward in a way because you're teased or bullied or you're made fun of for being smart. So in a way, I think, yes, it helps. But I don't think, I think there's many facets of being an introvert. It's not just one one thing. It's a uh, it's a lot of elements and there are a lot of introverts. There's a lot of types of introverts. I'm not an expert, but I'm just talking from personal experience. So it can't just be one thing. I mean, I wanted to also look at this from, I, I don't know, looking at the temperaments of children and adults. If we class them into four different temperaments, sanguine and choleric and melancholic and phlegmatic, there's a natural tendency for some children and people to be quieter anyway there's a natural tendency genetically biologically you know to be quieter and i don't think um that means there's an inadequacy it's just the child is more quiet is more of an observer whereas there's an there's a natural tendency for maybe a choleric child to express his or her emotions more you know to blow off more to express more actually to be more vulnerable 
mm. as well. I hear you. It seems it seems um, Mr. Woods has a response. No, no, I think I think what what I was going to say has been covered. But um, I think in terms of the uh, because of of the misunderstandings that there are as um, being introverted, that it can be misconstrued because somebody is maybe anxious, socially anxious, um, as Dr. Ayman mentioned earlier, that they often get um, labelled as the same thing, but there is a difference. And so I think it's about understanding if you're if you're in the in the classroom, if you're a leader in an organization, understanding the different personalities, the different types of people that you have within your remit, um, and understanding if somebody is shy and socially awkward, that is very different to somebody who is introverted. Yes, Mr. Boyer talked about actors being very quiet or shy or introverted. And I wanted to give um, an analogy also with clowns. Um, clowns that entertain children, you know, in hospitals, at schools, birthday parties. And there's quite a lot of research done into clowns and that the best clowns are actually not very happy. And when they go into their role, they become happy for other people. So people generally think clowns are happy people and all that, but actually they wear makeup, they put on the costume, they do everything they need to do to make others happy. And that would be um, a, a, a separate explanation. That the Halloween one. The Halloween clown, yes. So when, <laughs> when somebody is projecting something, it doesn't mean that's who they are. So if an introverted person is introverted, it doesn't necessarily mean they're unhappy. If that makes any sense, it probably means they are because there's no mask on. Um, I, I think it's important for us to recognize the the strength of being introverts. I, I mean, as I said, I, I am I'm, I'm both, but I probably more in the middle. But I do have times where my introversion is more vibrant. Um, and I, I'm using the word vibrant on purpose because I own it and it is part of who I am as opposed to when I'm being an extrovert, um, but I tend to be in the middle, but I do sway sometimes really to the end of introversion. And it's usually because, you know, I, I want to have some time to, you know, redirect or to rethink or to research, you know. Um, introversion is not a negative thing. And it's important for us to get that message across to people because it's generally seen as a negative um, characteristic or quality or whatever the term people are using. And, and so I, I personally am so glad that Carol joined us today because I know that her work is heavily on supporting women who are introverts and in the workspace and, uh, and supporting them in um, fulfilling whatever their purpose is in their work, in their lives because very often we don't see them in a positive light because of the biases, unconscious and conscious biases that have been, paced, that have been placed on, on introverts, but um, they do very well in life and they're part of our society. And um, from the examples that we have been, that have been shared today, then people that we know and people that we admire. So uh, continue to do that. Indeed. The environment you no know, bias. You know, let's encourage the girls and the I always go to the girls because for me, I see that the introverted boys and men find a way to find with colleagues and friends to blossom and thrive. But the girls, if the society does not allow them or suppresses them then they don't they struggle until they find you know people like Cara and myself or Abby who are there to support them to bring out their innate abilities to, to thrive. Fantastic. I'd like us to wrap this conversation by speaking to the society and the introverts in our midst. It's hard to tell where I um if I'm an introvert or not, but um I think everyone just has I think it's a function of temperament. There are times where you, you 
you are introvert and then there are the other times when you are outspoken and things like that but but what do you say to our society to be able to give equal chances to everyone irrespective of their temperament we recognize our differences we're all different and it's that difference that allows us to thrive it's that difference that allows us to create the humanity amongst us. Um, it's that difference that allows the innovation that we enjoy. So we have to create an inclusive workplace, inclusive society, where those differences are celebrated and recognized and also um, encouraged. Because if you don't have that, well, how do you progress? Oh, there you go. There's a this one, <laughs> we just saw her briefly. So I think that it's about creating inclusive workplaces, inclusive classrooms where the diversity of the of of people um, is is recognized and celebrated, and that's what leads us to the place of innovation and growth, personally, professionally, globally. And, and I would add to that, that yes, I totally agree too. It's about appreciating and valuing difference um, and to sort of go alongside that, creating spaces where people feel like they belong and they feel psychologically safe. Maybe we should do a conversation on psychological safety next. Yes, that's <laughs> a very, very good topic. Miss <laughs> Abby, let me have your final comments on this. <laughs> Um, okay, I think. Um, okay, Uncle Peter. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I let Uncle Peter go first. Okay. No, I said. Okay, I just think um, everyone how to be or feel the way they are. If you're an introvert, maybe you just like privacy. There's a thin line between privacy and being an introvert. So, um, I just think we should just allow everyone be some people enjoy being introvert what's the word introversial or introvert whatever the word is and some people are out there like dr armor was saying uh we're borderline we could be out there jumping around and the next minute we're like don't want to be bothered with people not because we're psychologically damaged or anything just because we just want to be alone there's nothing wrong with being alone there's nothing wrong with being um in your own space that's just my little two cents. Go ahead, Miss Abby. Thank you. So, um, as we know, I'm very heavy on everyone knowing about neurodiversity and how neurodiverse every classroom is and how neurodiverse every workplace is and how neurodiverse the world is. And without introverts, the world wouldn't be the way it is. We need different um, temperaments, different abilities, coping skills and we all bring different things with it, different uh, skills to the table um, so being an introvert shouldn't be seen as a negative word being an extrovert shouldn't be seen as the only positive <clears throat> word uh, the only positive attribute for many many reasons um, there's a psychological test that um, that has been in the process of being developed even for people learning uh, who want to make better parents. So where you test both parents and see where they are on the A to D scale or A to C scale, should I say. And, um, and there are qualities, they've shown qualities of sensitive thinkers, sensitive people versus, you know, more aggressive thinkers and more um, social social people as well. So there's a blend. There's a blend that we need um, in our personalities actually to give to the world. There's a blend of characteristics that we need. A bit of extroversion, a bit of introversion, and lots in the middle, I would say. Absolutely. The more the, the, <laughs> the more the merrier. A big thank you everyone and thank you for uh, your contribution. Always remember that um, within this large group of introverts, just like the Dama said, we had such people as Michael Jordan, Albert Einstein, Elton John, quite a number of um, leaders like Abraham Lincoln, Rosa Parks, even Mahatma Gandhi, who I believe were incredible leaders and we hear they're all introverts. So we must begin to 
open up, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being an introvert. It has no effect on how happy or how successful you're going to be as long as you see it in the right way. A big thank you to Dr. Ama. Miss Abby, it's been a while. You should attend this um, podcast more often. Mr. Boyo, thank you so much for joining us. And we have Ms. Caro Stewart joining us, I believe, for the first time. We're looking forward to engage you more on topics like this. I'm Nifemio Guntoye. See you guys next time. Bye. We're not we're girls and guys. Don't forget that guys is male, but <laughs> all right. See, see you, men and women, next time. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Emma. Bye. Thank you, Carol. Thank you, Abby. Thank, Thank you. We're coming back, Carol. Psychological safety, and we yeah. also should neurodiversity. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right then. See you soon. This has been a Thinking Reimagined podcast. The executive producer is Dr. Amma. Co-producer Peter Amon Boyle. And it is moderated by Nifemi Okuntoye. The podcast is edited by Nelkan and supervised by Dun Sokwa. Thinking Reimagined emphasizes the importance of transformational conversations which have as their aim the bringing about of the rich diversity of thoughts and most importantly, powerful and applicable effective solutions and change. The views, opinions and contributions of the panelists are exclusively theirs and do not reflect the opinions of thinking reimagined producers or personnel. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening and, and we, we hope you have enjoyed, enjoyed this episode. episode. We invite you to subscribe to Thinking Reimagined on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and other outlets. We look forward to presenting another riveting episode next week. Thinking Reimagined Podcast is produced by Live Abundantly. We welcome your thoughts and invite you to visit our website, livesabundantly.com. Or you can follow us on social media on Live Abundantly 8. Thinking, Thinking Reimagined. Changing the mindset mindset for for a better global global society. society.